0: hey welcome to the spiritual geek out podcast i'm your host diane hudock where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating from angels to energy healing from mystical places to mystical teachings this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul I am here today with a Vedic astrologer expert, a dear friend of over 15 years, Ron Berger. Ron Berger. He has many names. He is a Vedic astrologer in the trenches. He's seen it all, and um, he's come here to talk about it. Ron, Mm. welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. Oh,
1: glad to be here. Thanks for having me
0: thanks for being here all right well let's just jump right in because people these days are impatient <laughs> they want facts they want information they're listening to a podcast for god's sake
1: Right.
0: so tell me what what is vedic astrology for the people that have no idea they're tuning in they're like oh this sounds interesting what is vedic astrology How is it different from the other systems that are out there—the Kabbalistic system, the Western system, of course, any other—the familiar systems that people may have heard of.
1: Yeah. All right. So, Vedic astrology comes from India, and you know we have heard the term Vedic, which applies to the Vedas, which are just sort of like the ancient science sciences, okay, of India. So one of the ancient sciences of india was astrology of india okay Um, in the west we might think of it as sidereal astrology because it's based on the sidereal zodiac so the question is well why is vedic astrology different from western astrology and that's the main big difference right away is that western astrology uses the tropical zodiac the tropical zodiac is Based on or started starts at wherever the sun happens to be on the vernal equinox so the vernal equinox is an easy to determine time in the calendar year and we can see where the sun is on the vernal equinox and we kind of put this you know as the beginning of the zodiac zero degrees Aries. okay all well and good uh, what uh, that's Western astrology. Vedic astrology is not based on where the sun is or anything like that, having to do with the vernal equinox. Vedic astrology is simply where the planets are against the backdrop of the stars as visible to the naked eye. All right, so what happens is that Vedic astrology, being based on the sidereal zodiac, is accurate according to astronomy. So if I tell you that Saturn is now at nine degrees Capricorn, and you go outside at night on a clear night with a star map and look up there, you can actually locate Saturn at nine degrees in the constellation that we identify as Capricorn. So the problem is that the way that the tropical zodiac, which is used in Western astrology, the way it is calculated is not consistent with where the stars are from one year to the next. It goes backwards because of the slight wobble of the earth on its axis. Okay, that point of the sun registered against the backdrop of the stars is not in the same place each year. So that uh, it goes backwards a little less than a degree every century. So now 2,000 years after the uh, codification of Western astrology, their zodiac is about 24 degrees or almost an entire sign out of phase with where the actual positions of the planets amongst the stars are. So
0: that would make me go, well, wait a
1: minute. Well, well, right, right. So so this is a little bit disturbing. That means that the anecdotal evidence that's been uh, collected over the uh, many centuries, uh, the anecdotal evidence is not going to be consistent in Western astrology, whereas Vedic astrology it is. OK, uh, Saturn, where it was five thousand years ago, amongst the backdrop of the stars is the same Saturn amongst the same stars as it would be today. All right. Whereas in Western astrology, uh, the zodiac is hopelessly confused. All right. So what happens? So what happens is that Western astrology does not depend on the signs so much. Instead, Western astrology has cultivated or has uh, developed a very accurate system of aspect analysis. So you'll hear Western astrologers talk about the trine and the sextile and the inconjunct and the septile and the this and the square and that and this as aspects or the number of degrees between planets, regardless of what's going on with the signs. All right. So Western astrology is basically using aspect analysis as its most dependable system of interpreting the chart. And Vedic astrology relies much, much more on signs and the qualities of the signs and how the planets manifest differently in different signs. Okay? So that's the main thing that's going to be different right away. So if somebody says, you know, I'm born... Uh, oh, the other thing is that Western astrology uses the sun's position as a primary factor. Okay? So you say, I'm a Virgo which means that the sun was in the tropical sign Virgo at the time of your birth, which covers you know, people in about a 30-day span of time, which is not too accurate. But uh, whereas in Vedic astrology, the primary factor is the rising sign, the actual sign on the easterly horizon at the time of your birth, and that's a sign that changes every hour to two hours or so. Interesting. So you get a lot more differentiation between people even within one day. Wow. Okay. Whereas Western astrology is everybody's a Virgo in that 30-day time period. In Vedic astrology, you'd only be Virgo if that sign happened to be on the easterly horizon at the time you came out of the womb. Um, All right, so that's another big difference is just the emphasis on rising sign in Vedic astrology versus sun sign in Western astrology, as well as Vedic astrology – using a zodiac that's been consistent going back thousands and thousands of years, whereas Western astrology has a zodiac which has been variable. And so, you know, so those are sort of like, uh, let's say, mechanical differences between the two systems. Uh, Other than that, uh, Vedic astrology is just loaded with formulas and techniques of interpretation and all sorts of ways of dicing up the heavens into little tiny pieces Mm -hmm. and ascribing special meanings to different parts of the zodiac and all this that gets, you know, complicated, okay? Uh, But turns out to be accurate, again, because the technique has been consistent going back thousands of years. So the evidence, the data that's been accumulated is vast. Right. So it becomes a lot more accurate. Yeah, that's a
0: great segue to talk about the specificity, at least I've found in the readings I've had and talking to other people who've had Vedic readings, not just from you, but in general, Mm -hmm. um, that accuracy and where you can literally, as you've talked about, you can even just split hairs down to the very, you know, there's a great story you once shared at one of my retreats like years ago um, about and I'm going to butcher your story, and you'll probably, hopefully, you'll hopefully remember because it's a really good story uh, about uh, a famous soccer player in India. And, oh yeah! Right, and there are like fifty thousand guys that were fifty thousand babies that were born uh, on that day at the same time, say eleven thirty a.m. in India.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it was fifty thousand, but it was a large number. <laughs> they, they they calculated because he was from a particularly you know, a big city in India, right? Which has got like I don't know how many a million or two million people, and they calculated, okay, uh, how many babies, you know, theoretically would have been born within that same hour or even ten minute time period, and how come they all didn't become famous soccer players? Right?
0: Why didn't they become the Pele of India?
1: Right. 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 Why? Why didn't that happen? So, and,
0: how that karma. And the reason
1: is, is that in Vedic astrology and I guess it's getting into the weeds a little bit, but we have what's called Vargas. And Vargas are the divisional charts. And so what happens is Vedic astrology has got all these formulas for taking the original chart, birth chart that we're kind of familiar with, and then dissecting it in minutiae, okay, where every essentially every 20 seconds can produce a new what we call a subchart. All right, so that it, it ends up in Vedic astrology, it really does matter the minute you were born, or even the fraction of the minute. All right, and this has been done also, like in the charts of twins. Okay, twins who are born, you know, five minutes apart, and yet they lead totally different lives. I've got uh, twin nieces.
0: My mom's a tra- now in
1: their late thirties, yeah. and one of them is a uh, a trauma surgeon. And the other one does, well, she's unemployed right now. <laughs> but usually what she does is um, kind of marketing, international fashion marketing and stuff like that. So it's like, wait a minute. They're born five minutes apart, and one of them turns into a trauma surgeon, and the other one is like selling dresses.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So how, and, do you, how do you explain that?
1: Right. Because again, the birth chart looks the same for both of them. But when we get into what are called the Varga charts, where everything gets split up into every little teeny little bits, okay, the Varga charts like the most famous Varga chart in Vedic astrology is called the Navamsha chart. So if you run into Vedic astrology at some point early in your studies, you'll run into the thing called the Navamsha. Navamsha is the ninth division. So they take each sign, okay, and divide it into nine. Sectors equal sectors. So each sector is three degrees, 20 minutes in size, right? 30 degrees for an entire sign, three degrees, 20 minutes, you know, is the ninth division. And then they take the positions in the original chart and using this technique, they produce a whole other chart. And that is used in interpretation, and it turns out to be amazingly accurate for all kinds of things like describing who you're going to marry, for instance. You know, the most famous use of it is describing the marriage partner or the karma for the marriage partner. And um, so, for instance, in the case of my twin nieces, the Navamsha charts are distinctly different from each other. All right. So, so the Navamsha, a shorthand way of the Navamsha chart is to say it's the chart of destiny. Where are you going in this lifetime? I mean, the whole original chart shows that too, but the Navamsha chart more specifically can show a person's destiny in this lifetime. And it takes a certain amount of skill to interpret it, okay? But because even five minutes in birth time can show a difference in the Navamsha chart, you can get twins born within five minutes of each other. And although their birth chart, their original chart we call the Rasi chart, is pretty much the same— Okay, maybe there's a couple of degrees difference in the rising sign. But when you go to the Navamsa chart, you get a whole different thing looking. And, and, and it, it means a whole bunch of different things. So then you get that as additional details. And Vedic astrology is full of stuff like that. I mean, it's just full of things that get into a lot of specifics. Whereas Western astrology... You know, you can read one book on Western astrology and be ready to start analyzing charts. Yeah. Vedic astrology, you need to read a whole shelf of books, and probably by that point, you're totally confused. I can't so, that
0: <laughs> I'm Getting readings from you, I remember I was so mad at you. Ah.
1: Um,
0: I don't know if I ever expressed that to you, but I was so mad when I was pregnant. And I did a reading with you on Avery, our son, yeah. and I remember, I don't know if you remember this, you said, everything's gonna be fine, but the last 15 minutes of your birth, there's gonna be a complication. And the baby's said gonna- that, huh? You did. You said the baby's gonna be fine. Okay,
1: I don't remember. Yeah, you
0: said the baby's <laughs> gonna be fine, but there's gonna be a complication with you, you'll be fine. It's uh-huh. not major, but just prepare yourself. There'll just be a complication. And I was like, what? You know, and I, I went home. I was like, oh, my God, I don't need that in my consciousness. But I knew that I've never, I don't want to put you on a pedestal and say you've never been wrong, you know, okay. but uh, I can't really say you've been wrong. In well,
1: my- okay. So, Look, you
0: know what happened is yeah. I broke my tailbone when I delivered. Oh, right, right, right. Now last. I remember.
1: Okay. Okay. 15 right.
0: Minutes. Yes, they yeah. were going to take me to emergency surgery because I was pushing for two hours, and they said if the baby doesn't come out in the next fifteen minutes, we have to you right. for a C section. I said you didn't
1: want a C section. Yeah, I said
0: right. forget that. This kid's coming out, and I pushed, broke my tailbone. Didn't feel it because I had an epidural at the time. Oh. Um, thought I was going to be a rock star. Couldn't make it that far. Got an epidural. Broke my tailbone. Thankful I had an epidural. And I said, what was that? And they said, everybody's face turned white. And they said, was either the baby's collarbone or your tailbone, we'll know, in 15 minutes. Right. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. right then, you came back into my consciousness. And I said, oh, man, Ron. Yeah,
1: see, this is the, this is the problem that, you know, the astrologers face with oftentimes. <laughs> right. Is looking at a chart and going like, you know, seeing a particular combination in the natal chart or because of the transits or you know one of one of the one of the techniques you know showing something that's like uh uh-oh that looks really important um so what does that mean okay in other words astrology is very mathematical i mean it's all based on like actual things you know the planets in the heavens we can see them we can measure where they are we can the help of the computer and the software written for the touch of a button we can tell where everything is precisely at a particular moment and then we look at the combinations and the patterns and sometimes we see a pattern that's like okay according to the rules of any astrology that's really intense now the question is so what happens And that's where the skill of interpreting and knowledge of, well, when there was a pattern like that before, what happened? And that's what astrology is all about. It's about looking at the patterns, looking at planet here, planet there. This is going on. Okay, what actually goes down? And in India, before they even had, like, ways to write down books or something. See, the thing about India, which is incredible, especially traditional India. It's a caste system. Okay. So your father's a rice farmer. You're a rice farmer. End of story. Okay. Your father's an astrologer. That means your grandfather, your great great grandfather, you're you know, going back generations. Right. It's all Australia. And that you're going to be an astrologer. And so your son and your grandson. And so the observations that were kept track of were passed on through the generations so that they actually had then. Records of, yeah, well, when the planet's here, what happened, you know, 500 years ago in your great, 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 great grandfather's day when that same thing occurred. Mm. And so they ended up with this amazing body of anecdotal evidence that correlates positions in the heavens with, you know, things that happened here on Earth. And eventually that started to get applied to individual people. And so you ended up with birth charts. Originally, the original astrology was about, you know, is the corn harvest going to be good next year or not? You know, do we have to put aside extra grain for a famine that's coming? Or is our neighbor going to attack us? You know, should we get ready for war? That was the original astrology was just like basic big stuff. And then eventually they got to the point where, uh, oh, you know, the head of the country, the monarch, you know, the Raj or whoever, the king. Whatever's going on, in the king's chart is going to affect everybody. So that's where the whole idea of birth charts came from. You know, it was the chart of the king, and the right. king had his own personal astrologer, and that's all the astrologer did was take care of the king, <laughs> awesome. and you know, be you know, help the king along with his other aides and guides and whatever else he had in his you know group of uh, advisors. The, the astrologer was one of the main guys to rely on. And he was regarded as like somebody special and a little bit scary, especially if he was accurate. Yeah. And, the, you know, the king or the queen, sometimes it was a queen, you know, didn't want to hear any bad news. But, you know, it's like, I got to tell you the bad news because you need to get prepared, right? That's what this is all about. And if you just want to hear good news, then when the neighboring kingdom attacks us, we're toast, right? So, and then eventually it became, well, we want astrology for the wealthy people. You know, I'm a wealthy person, I'm a successful, you know, merchant or whatever, and I've got to trade with the next country, and I I need to know this stuff too. And so that's how natal astrology got born thousands of years ago, okay, and then uh, developed and developed and developed, and that's what we know of it as today, all right? And so we can look at somebody's birth chart and say all kinds of things like, you know, the, one of the big ones in India, traditional India, was when am I going to die?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's just because of the way that they kind of look at things. I mean, traditionally, you know, everything being fate, right? So how long do I have to uh, manifest my karma in this lifetime? And so they have in traditional Vedic astrology, there's all these formulas for determining longevity, right? Do you know Today, when you What? Do you know
0: when you're going to die based on your Vedic? Astrology? I,
1: I know I've got a combination in my chart, my personal chart says I'm gonna live a very long time. But I will simultaneously suffer from various karmic diseases. You know And I'm gonna have a weird death. That was the other
0: one. Oh great. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm the first Vedic astrologer who said that to me he says, Yeah, wow, you're gonna live a long time, but you're gonna have a weird death. And I was like,
0: <laughs> What is that?
1: What does that mean?
0: <laughs> right. We're gonna die by fire on a an, uh, in a circus. Something
1: that'll uh, you know <laughs> it'll take him a while to figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not you know right now. I'm not worrying about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that brings up the question of karma. Yeah. And How uh, we talk about. Uh, active karma and passive karma. We talk about personal karma, circumstantial karma. Right. One, our personal karma uh, does not override circumstantial karma.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how that relates to Vedic astrology, how we have karma, we have curriculum, right? And there's passive karma and there's Mm. active karma. There's things we can change, there's things we can't change.
1: What we really have to look at in... as far as vedic astrology it's not karma singular but karmas plural
0: Mm -hmm. right
1: we're born with karmas and it's actually a big topic (laughs) um we could get into the um let's say commonly understood idea of karma which is sort of like a uh, a plus b equals c you know um the idea of you are the victim shall we say of your past actions or you are the consequence or what's going to happen to you is the consequence of your past actions or we can get into more esoteric idea of karma which is uh simply translated as dust on the mirror okay the mirror being the pure soul the you know infinite being and the dust which could be fairy dust, it could be rainbow dust, could be pretty pretty dust, but it's still dust. (laughs) And it's still obscuring the soul. Okay? That's another uh, more esoteric idea of karma. But here, as far as the Vedic astrology chart goes, everything in the chart speaks of potentials and possibilities, and uh, according to this way of looking at things, it's not just happenstance that your chart is arranged this way, okay, that there is a continuity from the past lives, plural past lives, not just past life. Uh, And that's going to be very mysterious and hard to say exactly what that was, but within the chart, there are certain factors, certain parts of the chart that specifically speak to, you know, where are you coming from and where are you going in a general way. And then we also have lots of specific combinations in the chart, which uh, some of them we might term as dura karma or hard karmas. Hard karmas are things you can't change. You can't change who your parents were, okay? That's a hard karma. Uh, other karmas have more wiggle room, okay? By doing the right uh, prayers every day... And being a good person and honoring your guru and giving to the poor and doing all these meritorious deeds, you will thereby create a situation in the karmic uh, ledger where you have more gold stars on the positive side. And thereby you will reap the benefit, hopefully in this lifetime, while you're still able, you know, to appreciate it or in the next lifetime. Again, this is coming out of a culture that took rebirth for granted. So... (laughs) You know, a basic idea that goes along with the, you know, um, where this grew out of is that, you know, you're going to be born again and again and again. So you want to do things in this lifetime so that the next birth is going to be better. Mm-hmm. Right. And And it'll be, you know, easier or you'll be happier or something. So even if you're not happy this time around for whatever reasons, because of past karma or circumstances, you know, you can at least hope for something in the next life. And okay. so there's all these remedies and, you know, I mean, the, the whole Hindu religion is based on this idea of doing good. Okay. So that, you know, your future, meaning not just this lifetime, but actually the next one and the ones after that will be an improvement. Okay. So, something to look forward to.
0: right? So if somebody gets a reading and they see that they're going to, Die. Let's just say, at in you know in a sudden death at forty. Okay, can how
1: much? Yeah. Is- let's, let me just say, I don't do that. I mean, I don't say to somebody, right. you're gonna. Die. I'll right. look at something and I'll say, okay, you're gonna have uh, a health issue next mm-hmm. year. Uh, it looks pretty serious. I suggest that you go to a doctor. Go to a few doctors. <laughs> And get like an analysis, get a diagnosis, and understand where this is going. I'm not a doctor. I just see something that says this looks pretty bad for you, and you know, and hopefully you can head it off. Right. I actually said that to somebody once some years ago, and he did go to a doctor. He went to his Western doctor, and the doctor said "There's nothing wrong I can find out." And the next, you know, eight months later, he died of a massive heart attack in the middle in the middle of Terminator 2.
0: Oh. Okay. OK,
1: so, you know, today, knowing a little bit more, I would have said, don't just go to a Western doctor, go to an Ayurvedic doctor, go to a Chinese. doctor. These, these guys have got techniques uh, that can kind of see where things are going before they've manifested on the Western doctor's radar or X-ray or in the blood analysis. Or, you know, I mean, Western doctors, you know, rely on certain tools. OK, but these tools show things when they're really manifesting. Right. Right. Whereas the Eastern doctors, they have tools for like reading your pulses and stuff where they can kind of see a direction that you're going in and recommend ways to head it off before it gets to the point where it's showing up on the x-ray.
0: For sure. Yeah, so it just begs the question, mm. how much can we change? So if we're getting a a, a reading where... We see, you see, a uh, in, an injury or a, a disease coming down the pike. If we get that information, we potentially could uh, stop that in its tracks from manifesting. Right? Maybe. Or is you know, it? You know, again, it
1: depends it. on the. It depends on the severity of it. I mean, Can I you
0: dig in the chart and say, you know what, this thing I, is just unmovable. Can you? OK,
1: so everything in the everything in the chart and everything in the predictions, which is what you're asking about the predictions, actually, because we have two things. We we have we have the natal analysis, which basically says, OK, this is the type of person you are. This is what you're good at. This is what you're not so good at. This is what you have to watch out for. You know, these are the areas that you got blind you know, blind spots in, these are the areas that you have particular talents in. And the whole idea of understanding your natal chart is understanding your roadmap for this lifetime and maximizing your potentials, okay? Maximizing your potentials and trying to minimize or do what we can about the detriment, you know, the hard stuff. Um, As far as the predictions and, you know, if there's a prediction that shows that, you know, there's going to be some rough time coming up, Okay. All we can say is, all right, this is the time period that we're talking about. You say that. So it's sort of like, because without a good predictive analysis, what we're basically faced with is chaos, which we don't don't know how long this is going to go on for. Is this the rest of my life? Is it going to be hell? You know, should I just check out now? I mean, (laughs) or, you know, or if we know a time period, okay, then we can prepare for the time period. We could tough it out, all right? You know, I had a client come to me. Uh, she was a producer. She had a new production company. But things were not going well, okay? And she wanted to know, you know, uh, I'm, I'm being fu- forced to fire half of my staff right now. Uh, do, do you see, like, is this worth continuing with? I should I just fold up my production company? And I looked at it. You know, no, no, no. You're going to have, you're going to, you're going to come into contact with somebody who's got a proven track record, who's going to, you know, bring you a project and you're going to bust every nut you've got uh, in order to bring that about. And on the other end of it, you know, you will have a successful production company and that's coming up in about eight months. Okay. It did happen that way. Turned out that the person who came to it with a project was a real pain to work with. Okay. It was a rough experience for her, but the project got done. It was a success. And, you know, in Hollywood, if you have a success, I mean, that's money in the bank for the next project and the next one after that. And, you know, subsequently, and I'm not going to name names, but, you know, her production company ended up with, you know, 60 employees and a whole bunch of shows on reality TV and yada, yada, yada. Um, okay. Okay. So, in that case, you know, we have a situation where looking at the predictive analysis, understanding from the astrology chart that, yeah, you're in a rough patch right now. Okay. But in eight months, there's going to be an opportunity. The rough patch will continue, but there'll be a big opportunity. And then on the other side of that, another year or so, you know, things are going to like open up. So, there you've got. And, and we're not, I don't know, I'm not saying who the person was who came or or what type of project. It was just, this is what the chart shows. It shows, uh, in, a, in a sense, basic things and within a timeline. Got and it. And so we can, under that, with that information and understanding that it's pretty accurate a lot of the times. More accurate than guessing, that's for sure, by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that information, then we can kind of like plan accordingly. Now, it doesn't happen for everybody. I mean, sometimes it says, hey, you've just entered a really rough time in your life, and it's 10 years long. And it's like, oh, no. no. But even within that 10 years, it's not consistently bad. Nothing is. Just because you've got all these other factors going on simultaneously, there's not just one thing happening in a person's life, Not not ordinarily. There's going to be a lot of things happening, and in sequence, some of them will be good, some will be bad. The overall picture might be difficult for time period, but you know it's not all going to be total hell. Uh, and you know, so you have to, when doing readings, when making predictions, you know, try and keep it all in context. And you you brought up another thing in there, which was contextual karma or circumstantial karma, and that's a big unknown. All right, so this is saying that you know our personal karma does not dictate what happens in the world right
0: let's talk you know. about that because that's a really interesting topic how our personal karma can't override somebody else's karma or actions like being well a-
1: no your personal karma may actually override somebody else's karma especially our if you're in intimate intimate association with them like in a marriage
0: right but like okay. in a job situation, let's do take-
1: All right. So in that case, your personal karma might contribute to, but is not going to override the karma of the company that you are working for. Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. The, the
1: right. famous example I like to give is uh, if you looked at the birth charts of everybody who died in the World Trade disaster, World Trade Center disaster, the 9-11, right. if you looked at all their birth charts, all 3,000, whatever of them, um, you would not have found that they were all going to die on that day. Wow. Okay. Their karma, their personal karma got overwhelmed by something way, way, way larger, which was the karma of the United States of America. All right. Mm. So um, that is, again, something that we have to understand is that we do live in a context, in a larger context, in the same way as you're doing a good job in the company you work for, but the multinational company you work for just got, gobbled up by another multinational company, and you got fired. Right. No fault of your own. You were doing great. and Your boss loved you and everything. But a bigger thing happened that overwhelms your karma, and now you're looking for a new job. All right? That doesn't show up in your chart necessarily. All right? It doesn't show up in your personal chart that you're going to get fired. It might. But, you know, if you're doing a great job, your boss loves you, you know, the fact that the company you're working for is going to get bought and a whole bunch of people are going to lose their job. That's a larger context type situation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which doesn't necessarily show up in an individual's chart. And so we have to always remember that, that, you know, we're looking at a personal chart, we can talk about that person's life, but it doesn't happen in isolation. And in the same way, when we get married or have any intimate relationships, like, In traditional India, when a child is born, the first thing the parents do is they run to the Vedic astrologer, and they want to know, is she going to be a Lakshmi? Is he going to be a Kubera? And what they're asking for is, is this child going to bring good karma to our family such that we will prosper? Mm -hmm. Because the child comes in with their own karma and their own destiny, and the parents want to know from the Vedic astrologer in traditional India— is this child going to, you know, enlarge the karma, the good karma of our family
0: right?
1: or is it going to be the other way? which is also possible. So um, they understood that, you know, we're all in it together and we influence each other. Okay. I might have lousy karma for wealth, for instance, because I spent most of my life studying things and, living in monasteries and stuff, right? So you'd say, yeah, you don't have the karma for, you know, having a lot of money or anything like that. But there's something in my chart that says, but you're going to marry somebody who's doing much better on the material plane than you do. Right. And so that comes to pass. And yeah, I live in a nice home, middle-class things and all of that, which I don't pay for. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my karma, Okay, it shows it in the chart. It's actually right there. And it's like, wow, that's kind of weird. But that's not an unusual situation. I mean, people are born to be on this earth for things that don't necessarily make money. Uh, But then they might still live a comfortable life because of who they marry or because of their family situation.
0: Talk about the patterns of karma that we are dealing with in America, because I think we can all agree that America is in a very interesting...
1: Yes, yes, we are definitely (laughs) an interesting part of our... that
0: affects, of course, people that live in the country, but of course, the planet's dealing with a very unique karma. Have you seen this coming for a long time? What can we expect
1: Okay, so yeah. <laughs> there are we going. Right. So here, here's the issue. All right, so now we're getting into a, a, a different area, which is what's called mundane astrology or worldly events astrology. But it's which, not
0: mundane at all.
1: It's not mundane. No, it's the wrong word. Mundane meaning world as in mundo. But anyway, it's termed mundane astrology, or which sounds like it might mean ordinary astrology, but it's not. Um, But the part of the problem is, okay, so as I said at the very beginning, I think, of our little talk here, uh, that the original astrology was about world events exclusively. It didn't have natal astrology. That came later. The first astrology was looking at the planets and going like, hey, the last time we had an eclipse with that, you know, with Saturn over there, uh, we had a famine. So there's an eclipse coming up with Saturn over there. And so we better get ready for a famine again. And then it turns out, yeah, they did end up with a fa- So they went like, oh, yeah, eclipses in Saturn, bad. So now, you know, as as uh, the world is getting much more hooked up with everybody and we're all aware of something that happens on the other side of the globe, like 60 seconds later, sometimes, you know, um, there's been more of an interest in mundane, astro- in worldly events astrology. All right. So here we have, you know, some things we can say, like, again, okay, if there's a total solar eclipse and then subsequent to the eclipse, there's an interaction with what we call a natural malefic planet, which is basically Mars, planet of war or Saturn, planet of everything else that's bad. Uh, (laughs) Then, you know, the world, somebody in the world, maybe the whole world, but somewhere in the world, there's going to be an experience of like suffering. Okay. Um, But that's kind of broad, right? Uh, So then it turns out well, if the eclipse was in a certain part of the world, that is more likely to be where the world experiences suffering. Okay. So a few years ago, there was a big event. We had a total solar eclipse that went right across the USA and people remembered everybody was trying to get to where they so they could see it right and then almost immediately there was an interaction between mars planet of violence and the eclipse point the eclipse degree and so i was predicting like you know a year before it happened i said okay some bad stuff's going to happen here now it could be a war it could be an earthquake it could be a hurricane all right it turned out to be three hurricanes which hit the united states One hitting Puerto Rico, one hitting Florida, one hitting Texas, and, you know, creating a huge amount of devastation. And that all happened within a couple of months of the eclipse. All right, so that's an example of using astrology to predict, like, major things. All right, last year, there was another combination, which was very unusual, especially because for how long it continued, which was... Uh, Jupiter and Saturn and Pluto. Now, Pluto's a recent invention, just showed up, 1930, <laughs> okay? But uh, already, you know, astrologers, you know, knowing where it is, and with the help of the calculations done in the software, can actually track Pluto going back centuries, okay, now that we know that it exists real, and it's not just a block of ice. It's an actual planet with mountain ranges and everything, Is recently, you know. Anyway, Um so Pluto is taken to be something like a Shiva kind of energy pattern, um, signifying complete destruction, but also rebirth. Now this is coming out of a, you know belief, a belief system that sees it as a closed system. In order for something new to be born, something old's got to go, right? Right? So that's Shiva's job. Get rid of the old so that the new can be born. So Shiva is not just destruction; he makes way for rebirth, and you know, so he's not all bad. But um, but anyway, this the destructive phase that phase that we're worried about. And Pluto also gets associated, therefore, with things like mass events and generational transformation. Okay, so knowing that and seeing that Saturn, which happens to be the planet of structure, reality, stability, and security, close conjunction with Pluto, and Jupiter, planet of prosperity, hope, optimism, law, and justice. three of them are in a tight combination, and because they all go retrograde at the same time, which is the apparent backwards motion of the planets amongst the stars, but we'll get into that another time. Anyway, they were all stuck together for months, starting around February of 2020, And continuing to the summer of 2020. Okay, so as an astrologer, I'm looking at this two years ago. I go like, okay, what the hell is that? (laughs) Right. That looks bad, right? Something like major is going to happen.
0: Were you thinking like Third World War? What was going through?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the first thing that comes to mind. You know, some major thing, courtesy of Mother Nature, that really knocks us flat. It never occurred to me that it was going to be an epidemic. (laughs) There's another significator which actually was involved earlier in 2019, which was an indicator of disease. And if we dial it back into 2019, that's actually where it all got started in China. In astrology, we can see, you know, planetary patterns again, because it's so mathematically precise. Okay, we can see when two planets come together and we could time that we can time that a century before because the planets move with such astonishing precision, even from century to century. So we can like, you know, with the software, you know, figure out, oh, yeah, well, this combination is happening in 2025. Oh, my God, what's that? You know, well, I don't know. I mean, a lot of things are going to happen between now and 2025. I don't know what it's going to be specifically, but I can see that it's going to be bad. Okay, it'll be significant. All right, so then, so we've got that, that we could say, you know, large-scale events astrology, okay, but it's not always possible years beforehand, say exactly what it's going to be, how's it going to actually show up, and then we have another thing, which is the astrology of nations. All right, so this, this depends on a birth chart for the country, and Vedic astrology doesn't just want to know the day, it wants to know the time of the day, so this gets to be a little bit of a problem. Because there's a lot of countries around that there wasn't a particular time of a particular day where the country was created. Right. Except in some cases, like in India, modern India, not ancient India, modern India, it was created, uh, I forget the date right now, it's not in my mind, but it was at the stroke of midnight. You know, the British decided okay, right now at this time, midnight, will be modern day India. And so we have a birth chart for modern day India, and we have a birth chart for the United States, which is when the last signature was added to the Declaration of Independence.
0: Hey, I was just going to ask you that.
1: Yeah, that- and it turns, out, hey. it, it turns out that that chart actually works really well <laughs> in actual experience. Vedic astrologers use this birth chart of the United States, July 4th, 1776, at around 6.30 p.m., in philadelphia and you create a birth chart for it and it works pretty well Mm. not perfect but it works amazingly well okay so we look at that chart and i do every year and you know i make predictions based on what i see for the united states for the coming year and i just did recently one and put it up on my youtube channel astrologynewsreport.com there we go there's there it is all right astrologynewsreport.com or just my name YouTube, and you'll find it. And, you know, according to this particular technique, which is just one of many techniques, but it's a technique in Vedic astrology to map out the karmic timeline of an entity, usually applied to birth charts. But turns out it works for countries too, if you have the birth time as well as the date and place of when the country was essentially born. And according to this, technique the united states just went into what we call a saturn sub period of its rahu major period okay so this gets into i don't know how far you want me to go into this well
0: you know i think some people might know a rahu some people might know what transits are we know that there's patterns we know that there's patterns on top of patterns there's cycles on top of cycles Mm -hmm. there's karma on top of karma there's individualized karma there's planetary karma there's okay
1: so here just to give a quickie kind of overview
0: we're in right now what and how long
1: so this is this is based on something called the vimshatari dasha which is the translated into english although that's not what it means in sanskrit but it's translated as a planetary period system is what we know it in english in vedic astrology circles known as the vimshatari dasha in sanskrit okay Uh, It's a 120-year-long cycle. Now, most of us don't get to live 120 years, so we don't get to go through the whole cycle in our personal lives. However, countries like the United States do have a lifetime more than 120 years. So, for instance, we can go back 120 years to the last Rahu part of this cycle, Rahu being one of the eclipse points, but anyway... We can go back 120 years and see what happened in the United States at the end of the 19th century, what sorts of things were going on, and say, okay, it's not the same as the end of the 19th century now in the beginning of the 21st century, but there will be similar sorts of things happening. And if we go back to the end of the 19th century, which in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, what we find, in other words, the late 1800s, around 1896 or so, into the was that uh, the United States was going through a lot of change, a lot of transformations on a lot of levels, okay? Yep. Uh, we had a very transformational president, for instance. His name was Teddy Roosevelt, who was never supposed to become president, okay? They picked him as a vice president, you know, because he uh, was a, admired in the West. He was a cowboy. And they thought, well, if we pick him, then, you know, the Republicans will get elected because he's nice. He's, he's got a reputation out there in the West. All right. They didn't want him to become president. But shortly after, you know, he and Rutherford Hayes or whatever his name was, was elected, Hayes got assassinated. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you had a cowboy as president of the United States. And he lasted for two terms. And a lot of stuff happened because of him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was a transformational president. There's also inventions in this country, okay? For instance, the uh, automobile, which had already been invented, but, you know, suddenly became like ubiquitous. The elevator, the electric elevator was invented and transformed the landscape of all the urban areas in space of 10 years. So there's a lot of change, a lot of major things, including technical inventions. We're in a similar period now, at the beginning of it, okay? And we got a, I won't say it was Teddy Roosevelt, but a transformational president right away. Four years. We just got through that. Okay. And he did transform a lot of things. All right. Let's be honest about it. He transformed the Republican Party, that's for sure. And, and there are transformational inventions that were already happening, but are now taking over even on a, on a larger scale. Okay. And where that's going. I mean, you know, it'll be electric cars now. Right. Right? That's obvious. Electric cars that drive themselves. Well, they already exist, but you know, over the next decade they're gonna be ubiquitous. So, and so so we could say, you know, and this is the karma of the United States. And then we can, you know, get down to a little bit, what about this year? Okay. So for instance, another technique along the same lines is to look at the swearing in of a new leader. Okay, again, this is done in India. You know, as soon as the new leader, the new prime minister is sworn in, the astrologers are already figuring out when he's going to get kicked out of office. <laughs> They're already figuring out the lifetime of the new administration. All right, so I looked at the astrology chart of the Biden-Harris swearing in, and I was like, "Wooey." This is interesting. Like, wow, this is a really weird chart. (laughs) Tell us more, Ron. (laughs) Um, Okay, the immediate thing was the rising sign was Aries. It's a very dynamic sign. Action. Think action. And Mars, the ruler of Aries, the action planet, was right there, exactly conjunct Uranus, the planet of sudden inspirational unexpected events rebellion freedom independence revelation and so you look at that right there oh and the moon was there too the moon represents the public i think that's an amazingly powerful and uh progressive and even radical rising sign i don't tend to think about joe biden as a radical okay but The administration is going to, and already has been, you know, just jumping in with both feet immediately. Um, And then you're looking at some of the other things in the chart, which were pretty much not that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was major, like, and as there is right now, up there in the heavens, there's in the sidereal zodiac, right? The real zodiac. You now have a whole group of planets, congregated in the sign Capricorn. And Capricorn is like the opposite of Aries. It's not the opposite, but Capricorn is all about uh, keeping the status quo. <laughs> Capricorn is all about you know gradual accomplishment. Capricorn is all about stability, security, conservative, practical goals, tangible results. So you've got this focus in the chart of practical goals, tangible results, getting there eventually. And then you've got a rising sign, which is extremely dynamic and extremely um, impatient and pioneering. And so this administration has got two things going on, both very powerful and actually operating at cross purposes to each other. Mm. That's and nice. then you've got another thing going on, which is called Kalasarpa Yoga, which again, takes a bunch of explaining, but we could just say that all of the planets in the chart, I mean, every single one, is sort of all forced over into one half of the chart. So one half of the birth chart is empty of anything and all the other planets, everything, including the ascendant, everything is off on one side. And the border between the two of them are the two eclipse points, Rahu and Ketu. And this has got a particular name in Vedic astrology called Kalasarpa Yoga. And what it basically says is that in order for there to be any success, there's a major obstacle that needs to be overcome. Now, there are successful people born in the world who have this in their chart Nelson Mandela, Margaret Thatcher, George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. And they all have the quality of having come up out of obscurity, accomplished something. And then go back into obscurity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For instance, uh, I've never seen this in the chart of an administration, but it does say that there's something major, big time, that needs to be uh, that needs to be overcome. Well, it's obvious what that is, right? I mean, it's an epidemic, and all the consequences of the epidemic, and that's the first obstacle. And Biden and Harris and the administration—they they totally get that. You know, if we don't deal with this epidemic, you know, nothing else is really going to be possible.
0: So do you see it in the chart ending soon? Can you see a path forward that is an open field of non-pandemic
1: life? The chart of the Biden administration is subject to circumstantial karma. Okay. Right. There's something much, much bigger than the Biden administration. That, you know, we all have to deal with. Right. Whether you're on his side or in China or wherever you are. Right. You know, the whole world has to deal with this. That's circumstantial karma. That's the epidemic. Mm -hmm. Now, do I have a chart for the epidemic? No. (laughs) I have a, uh, why not? Yeah, no. (laughs) The epidemic didn't knock on my door and say, by the way, I was born here at this time. You know, well, it was probably Wuhan, China, but, you know, we don't know. Anyway, that's. You know, we don't have that, but but what we do have, we have a particular significator in Vedic astrology, which stands for mysterious diseases, mm. uh, actually viruses, technically. And that's Ketu, the south node of the moon, which represents the past life karma in a natal chart, the past life karma. It's one of the main things we use in a natal ch- chart to say where the person came from in their past life, right? And um but because it represents the past, it represents the unseen world, the non-material world, and things that are not of the material or things that you can't see, one of the things and that act mysteriously. So one of the things that we can't see that act mysteriously are viruses. Right. Okay. so where is K2? Ketu? K2's in the sign Scorpio in the sidereal zodiac, from September 2020 until March of 2022.
0: Ooh, deep breath.
1: Yeah. So, what does that mean? Does that, well, Scorpio is a sign of research and investigation. Scorpio is also the sign of alliances. Okay. Scorpio is also a sign of transformation. So,
0: does so, that include an uncovering of truths?
1: Yeah, I could. But Scorpio also has a tendency to cover up truth, too. It's a sign of secrets. Hmm. So, Scorpio has a bad rap in astrology because. Scorpio people tend to be eh, a little bit underhanded or can be. That's the downside of Scorpio. The upside of Scorpio is alliances for the sake of getting things done. Joe Biden is Scorpio rising, for instance.
0: Interesting. Okay. So he's
1: all about alliances with the other side, right?
0: right. That's something good. What what else is there? If we're going to flip it, because if we dig, well, we don't have to dig far to find Conflict and karma and curriculum and limiting conditions, right? So circumstances all around us. To flip it to the positive, what is the opportunity for us going through this transit, this period, this?
1: Okay. What is the opportunity? All right. So a little bit before I was talking about something that happened last year, which was Saturn and Pluto and Jupiter all tightly conjunct and kind of turn the world upside down. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember, Pluto is Shiva. We yeah. have destruction, but then we have rebirth. Right. Okay. You get the destruction first, obviously. Mm-hmm. All right. That was last year. <laughs>
0: okay. We got that over
1: with. Good. All right. So now we have a, a, a good Pluto in the meantime, retrograded backwards into Sagittarius, and then it came back into Capricorn just at the end of last year, last December. Okay. So now it's in Capricorn again. Pluto only moves a couple of degrees each year, it creeps along the heavens, uh, but it's back in Capricorn. Capricorn remember is the sign of uh, practical goals and tangible results. Mm-hmm. All right. It's deadly serious sign that wants to see some accomplishment on a material plane for the effort put out. All right. And Saturn is still in there. It was last year. So Saturn promotes its own sign. Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn. Saturn's the planet of the established order, institutions. OK, so Saturn and Capricorn suggests that the institutions are coming back the institutions of democracy. Saturn's the planet of work, and therefore it's the party of the workers, which is democracy, the Democrat party, okay, which is in power now. All right. Pluto's still there, but it's not on top of Saturn like it was last year. Last year we had the planet of destruction on top of the planet of established order, and everything went crazy. Now Pluto's come back into Capricorn, so now we get the regeneration, rebirth, Phase of Pluto in the sign of practical results with Saturn, but not on top of Saturn. Saturn, the planet of the established order, the planet of stability and security. And what's it all going to be about this year? It's bringing back stability. It's bringing back the established order. It's bringing back the democratic institutions. Now, is everybody on the same page? No. Okay. We have, for instance, a Good part of the Republican Party that just got a demonstration of how they can keep power by denying democracy to a lot of people. Yeah. Do you think they're going to win? No, they're not. They're on the losing end, they've already just discovered. And if they don't get their act together and become what they were originally, which was the party of the entrepreneur, you know, if they don't get their act together, they're going to be on the losing end again in two years. Now, they're going to fight like hell and try to make the Democrats look as bad as possible. That's true. Okay. So it's not going to be an easy job for the Democrats. All right. But as far as the planets go, the planets are on the side of getting back to established order. Okay. But not everybody's on that side.
0: Okay. Ron, how did you get into all this? Can you talk a little bit about your teacher or your <laughs> guru? I know.
1: Yes, it seemed magical at the time. Um, I was interested in astrology, you know, pretty much my whole adult life. Okay. But it wasn't Vedic astrology, it was Western astrology. I met a Western astrologer when I was about 21.
0: Okay.
1: Or 20. I was living in New York City and selling a camera and the guy who answered the ad for the camera living in the West Village downtown New York. And I went to his apartment to deliver the camera. And as soon as I walked in, he asked me what my birth date was. And then he goes looking in some book. And then he starts making pronouncements about me. And I was accurate? like, and they were accurate. And okay. I was like, wait a minute. I just walked in here to give you the camera for 50 bucks. And you're telling me all about who I am and, well, you know, all this stuff. And how could you know all of that anyway? So that got my interest going. All right. Fast forward several decades, and I was at a point in my life where I didn't know what was going to happen because everything had just fallen apart for me. We won't get into the details. But anyway, everything had fallen apart, and I was given a position in Boulder, Colorado to teach music at the Naropa Institute, actually, another one of my careers. And uh, I fell in with a group of people who are studying Vedic astrology with a real Vedic astrology guru. Okay. And uh, there was very little available at that time, back in 1995. Uh, There was very little available in terms of books or anything in English. Uh, so we were basically dependent on, you know, what came out of the teacher's mouth, which was the traditional way, guru to disciple. And there was about eight of us. And he didn't live in Boulder, Colorado. He'd drop in, you know, every few months and give us classes for a week or two. And we'd pay him money. And uh, and then he'd leave and we would be left with, you know, working it out amongst ourselves. Um, and then after a couple of years of that, um, he kept pushing me to do charts, do readings for people. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, But I, you know, all right. So I did some readings and found out that I had a talent for it. And then one thing led to another and led to another, and then eventually, you know, ended up with a website and now with clients all over the world. And it's a full-time job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I imagine, do you feel the pressure ever of... Or I guess just how does it feel for you to know that your words, your predictions, your readings could make such a difference in people's lives? You know, they, yeah,
1: I feel the pressure. (laughs) Believe me, I'm aware of the fact that I'm making karma doing this.
0: Talk a little bit about that. Like I can relate to that as you know, what I do in my work is healing work and and teaching just living and how I, my actions matter, but just in the, what you do, what do you, how do you handle that?
1: Well, it does trouble me um, that people who I don't know, living on the other side of the world, a lot of times Mm -hmm. come to me for advice on big stuff happening in their lives. And then they, well, take my advice or they don't but it seems like a lot of people do take my advice so it makes me work harder
0: mm-hmm.
1: i i don't i approach a reading with you know full intention and I, i'm not going to make a lot of money on this i never will because i spent a lot of time on it because i make a real effort to be accurate you know and at the same time i have to be diplomatic you know I'm sorry to tell you, but that guy that you hooked up with is uh, really not the right person for you. And it's not that you're a bad person or that you'll never get married to the right person or anything like that. It's just that this guy, you know, his primary focus is becoming famous. And getting married to you is not going to make him famous. So, you know, you're just an accessory into his life. And if you don't want to be that, which I can understand that you know, find somebody else. Mm-hmm.
0: You
1: know, I have to actually say that to someone.
0: Mm.
1: Sometimes it's someone who's already been married for three years wow. and is wondering why it's not working out. And I say, well, because he's, you know, on this trajectory to becoming known. Mm-hmm. And that's his purpose. That's his karma. That's his purpose. And, you know, a wife and kids are further down the You know, so obviously that's not what you want. So, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, I have to actually say that to somebody. And that bothers me. I don't like saying that. I'd rather say something much more positive. But I'm not going to lie about what the chart shows. Okay. And then on the other hand, you know, then I see two people and go like, yeah, this looks like it could actually work. You know, both of you are really hard to be married to, but you've got certain things here that connect between each of your charts. So, so long as you're both okay with having your individual careers and basically separate lives that come together, you know, in your home and in your bedroom. Yeah, this could work, Mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, you know, your individual need for victory should be exercised out there in your professional world and not in the home.
0: Right.
1: So, you know, and those two people are together. And uh, so far, happily married, and I'm happy about that. But those are just a couple of examples. I I do a lot more than marriage, obviously. But, um, you know, parents come to me and they need to know, what about my kid? You know, what should I encourage? What's, you know, are they going to be successful? What about this? What about that? You know, are they going to get along with their sibling? You know, all that stuff. You know, I get sometimes people ordering the charts for everybody in the family all at one time that's interesting because you get to see a lot of the karmic interchange between different members of a family Mm -hmm. you know how they're working out stuff with each other and yeah some of it's great some of it's not great at all but you know try to be honest about it all as far as what i can see this is just a tool it's a tool to try to understand things to make a little bit of sense out of what appears to be chaos Right. You know, I also do readings, you know, I have what I call a metaphysical reading, where I go through the chart on a totally different level, just looking at, okay, what's the soul's purpose here? You know, forget about making money, or who you're going to marry, or any of that stuff. What on a soul level is this lifetime about? So Vedic astrology has got different different levels of interpretation. You can take the information, like I said, it's a very large astrology system that's not about just one area and mm-hmm. this whole area we can get into the whole thing of medical astrology we can get into the whole thing of marriage is, is a gigantic area within vedic astrology what is okay. medical astro- astrology Medical the, the whole chart could be used for analyzing diseases everything, in, oh, everything for in
0: or for just medicine at large
1: no 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 for a particular person Okay. I can look at some. I can look at somebody's chart and say, "Okay, you're diabetic," and I'll be ninety percent sure that that's the case. And they'll go, "How did you know that?" Well, because Venus is here and Jupiter's there, and you know. Anyway, um, you know, I can look at somebody's chart and say, "Like you got major problems in the joints of your body, probably the knees." Oh yeah, I've had bad knees all my life. Yeah. Well, you better start looking at that. Okay. Because you have a combination that says toxicity accumulating in the joints. In other words, you're headed in the direction of major arthritis.
0: Mm.
1: Okay. That's going to cripple you. So find out everything you need to know about arthritis now and get on it. Mm. Okay. You know, so that you don't have to suffer so much. Now I'm looking at the chart. This person's, I'm not, I'm not meeting them. How they ever meet my clients anymore. It's a rare thing for me. They're all over the world. So. You know, I'm just looking at the birth chart. And so I, people come to me, they're, they're looking for real information. They're genuine, you know, what's coming up? What can I do about it? When's it going to happen? Or is it going to happen? You know, what do I do about this problem in my life? I got this guy who's, you know, got a lawsuit going for two years. How long is it going to take? What's going to be the outcome? You know, I hate it when I do lawsuit readings, but, you know. I do whatever comes my way, so.
0: Gromberger, thank you
1: so much for- uh, It's been a, you know, as you can see, I'm happy to shoot my mouth off about what I know and-
0: uh, Love having you shoot your mouth off with all <laughs> amazing information that a lot of people, myself included, still don't really understand. And it is deep with insight and wisdom And just juicy information, I think, is a great tool to help us live our lives more skillfully. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.